You are listening to the IMN podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. We've asked members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to share how their lives have been blessed by living the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the Savior's request, come follow me, they have all responded, I am in. In 1994, Jason married Kelly Hopkins in the Boise, Idaho temple. Together they have five children. As a family, they have worked and traveled all over the world. The friendships they have created in work and travel are of lasting importance to them. Their family relishes time in the outdoors, mountain biking, surfing, rafting, and alpine skiing. He and Kelly feel that the service at home, work, in the community, and at church brings them closer to their Savior, Jesus Christ. It is His friendship they all value the most. This is Michelle Burke, and you are listening to the I Am In podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. Today's speaker, Jason Ellsworth, leads Clean Era as president and CEO. Cleanera is a national leader in developing, building, and operating large-scale renewable energy, both solar and battery facilities. Jason co-founded Cleanera in 2013 with a longtime friend and business partner, Adam Pischel. Prior to Cleanera, Jason was founder and CEO of Sunlight Partners, a U.S. volume developer of small utility-scale solar energy plants. Jason was Vice President and General Manager of U.S.-based solar manufacturer Soul Focus. He has held a number of management positions in advanced materials and technology. Jason has a bachelor's degree in international business from Boise State University and an MBA from Harvard University. He currently serves in a stake presidency position in Boise, Idaho. Um, as I was preparing thoughts today, uh, my, my, um, I, I felt inspired to start in the scriptures and look, look to Moses. And, I, and, and, and he was taught a bit about who he was and what his purpose was. And it changed everything for Moses. It prepared him for some really hard things. In fact, one experience that's, that's super hard that's, that's shared in Moses one. So Moses and I'll, I'll read uh, to you scripture. He said, so Moses went uh, on a high mountain. It's like he went to the temple, right? But there was no temple for Moses at that time. He went to a high mountain to talk to the Lord. And there he conversed with the Lord. And the Lord said, I have a work for thee, Moses, my son, and thou art in the similitude of mine only begotten. And mine only begotten is and shall be the Savior, for he is full of grace and truth. But there is no God beside me, and all things are present for them. Uh, for with me, for I know them all. He told him, he said, one, you need to know who you are. You're made after my image. He told Mo- Moses who he was. He was in the similitude of his, of his father. And two, you have a purpose. That message wasn't just for Moses. That message was for each one of us in understanding that we are creative, our Heavenly Father, as we are with, with, our, with, with what the world sees as our faults, our flaws, or you know, the, the things that we come, we come to this earth with or that we've developed. We, we've been created by God. We are special. And we have a special and unique purpose. 
Moses went on to experience something even further. The Lord said, the Lord then explained what his purpose was. He says in, in 139, and you all know this scripture, that he, he spoke to his purpose as being to, the Lord's purpose is bringing to pass the, the immortality and eternal life of man, right? That's the Lord's purpose. And, and, and that became Moses' purpose. And Moses had some part in that, right? So, and, and you and I, we each have some role in that. When Moses understood who he was and what his purpose was, all of a sudden Mo Moses was able to face down some difficult things. So what did, but there, there on the mountain, Lucifer, the adversary, appeared to Moses and tried to, to display himself in great glory, right? He didn't have glory, um, but he looked impressive. And, and the, the rocks the rocks quaked, the earth quaked, the mountain quaked, and, uh, and, and Moses was a little bit afraid. But Moses, but Moses remembered who he was. And, uh, and Moses recognized that the glory that he had seen in, in the Lord wasn't there with the, the adversary. He was able to discern. And he, he was able to stand up to that, to, to that, that impressive show of power and force, right? That's kind of like the world. As we face the world down, it's, uh, it's, it's impressive, it's difficult, and sometimes overwhelming. And Moses could have easily, easily been um, overwhelmed, and yet he, he wasn't. He stood, he stood firm, he stood tall, and, uh, and he, commanded, he commanded Satan to depart. And so powerful was his response that Satan shook, the scripture said. He shook, right? Uh, that, is, that is for us. That's the power that we can have as we understand who we are and what our purpose is, and, and as we share in purpose with our Savior Jesus Christ in bringing to pass, not the immortality, because that's taken care of, but the eternal life of man, right? And there's so much to that. There's so much to unfold to that. And that's what this life is, is we understand that and begin to understand our purpose. I've made a few notes here that, that I'll keep referencing. You know what? It, it's... Uh, it's amazing to have these, this technology, isn't it? You can just, so much at our, at our fingertips. Um, there is a scripture in Mosiah 5.15 where King Benjamin is speaking, where he says, um, Therefore, I would that you should be steadfast and immovable, like Moses, steadfast and immovable. He didn't move. He, he faced down the, the adversary. He faced down this challenge. Steadfast and immovable, always abounding in good works, that Christ the Lord God omnipotent may seal you his, that you may be brought to heaven, that you may have everlasting salvation and eternal life through the wisdom and power and justice and mercy of him who created, created all things in heaven and in earth, who is God above all. Amen. I want to draw in this scripture by taking steadfast, immovable, and abounding in good works um, and, and talk a little bit about some of my experiences in life. So, um, steadfast. Kelly knows I like to mountain bike. I'm not as good as her dad. Her dad is pretty, pretty impressive at mountain biking, but I love it. And one of the things I do is I, I, I like long distance and tough mountain bikes, so mountain biking courses. So one of those that I've, I've been to that I found really challenging is, Led anybody been to Leadville, Colorado? There's probably no reason to go to Leadville unless you're biking. Um, it's at 10,000 feet, so uh, high elevation, and then you climb to like 12 and a half uh, through the course, so you're up and down. It's 100 miles, and at elevation, really tough. And what happens is probably a third of the group that starts doesn't even finish the race. Before the race, though, 
the founder of the race gets this old guy in a belt buckle, and he's, he's a rough guy, and this is kind of a famous race, right? This is one that, that uh, lots of you know, pros go to, to prove themselves, and, and everybody that thinks they're cool shows up and tries to, to show they're tough, and then, and then I show up. But uh, <laughs> as I went to this pre-session where they're getting you excited, he, this guy, this old guy, got everybody excited. You know, it was motivational and it was wonderful. And then at the very end, he said, um, you know, all that motivation, about a third of the way up the first hill, you're going to forget all about it. You're going to lose all of, that, all of that go, right? All that motivation that just got you there. And then all you have is your commitment. And it comes down to commitment. And he's right. Have you ever been there in a really tough thing when all that excitement, all that motivation, you're like setting goals, right? You set some goals, you're super excited. You may have had, um, you sat down with somebody that, was, that just, just got you really excited about the future and your goals and this. And, uh, and you left that and you're ready to go. And, uh, and you, you got into whatever you're doing and then things got hard. And then you were stuck with what you had, what you cared with, your, your commitment, were you committed. And where does our commitment lie in this case? When we're talking about who we are and our purpose, our commitment is to the Savior. If we keep our, our eyes focused on Him, when the hill gets tough and, it's cl and the climbing is hard, we can keep going. Our foundation is secure, it's real, it's strong. And in fact, I have found in my, in my marriage, in my business, in the things that, that have been important to me, that as I put the Savior first in my life, everything else works out. When I get off track and I'm chasing something other than the Savior and His will and His plan and His, His, His purposes, then I lose track and, uh, and I, I lose strength. And in fact, then I'm dealing with what is fleeting, which is motivation. All of these things that we deal with, in the, it's, it's all so transitory and artificial all, all around us, um, where, wh whether it's, it's, it's riches or fame or, or notoriety. You know what? That doesn't stay. That's like that motivation that falls away on the, on the first hill. That is not the stuff that matters. It is our focus and commitment to the Savior. So um, when you go to some self-help seminar uh, or some great business um, education week, you'll walk away feeling like you can accomplish great things. And those, those tools are wonderful. And that motivation is great. But at the heart of all of it, if you'll focus on the Savior, and I've learned as I focus on the Savior, I find great success. And sometimes that success comes in ways that I, that I did not that I did not anticipate. When, now, my daughter, uh, Amelia, who I talked about, asked me a really great question I'd like to ask you, and I'd like to have you take this home. And, and, and if you've got somebody you, you, you'd like to talk to openly about this, that'd be wonderful. And her question was this, and, I, and it caught me off guard, uh, which by the way, it, it was on Messenger, right? Um, and, and I'm not like, I actually, I don't even have a Facebook account, it's terrible. Right? I, I actually borrow my wife's um, Facebook Messenger to communicate with my daughter. It's really bad. So I'm on her Messenger account communicating with my daughter, and, uh, and, and she says, Dad, what do you think of Jesus? 
So I ask you, what do you think of Jesus? Take that and ponder that question. What does he mean to you? And how will a focus on him change your life, strengthen your life and your relationships? Forget the business side. The most important thing to me is my relationship with him. And then from there, my relationship with my, my sweetheart, Kelly, and our, our children. Um, now they're all growing up, as, as Kelly had said. Well, now I have my own Kelly. Um, that, uh, as Kelly has said, they're all growing up. We're, we're, we're down to, I think, one here shortly. We've got a senior in high school, and then we've got a, a junior high kid who's, who's, uh, who's pretty big, big, big deal, apparently. But uh, there's, he may watch this. I shouldn't say stuff like that, right? Um, so, so he, um, we, we learn a lot from him. But with that focus on the Savior, I find I draw so much closer to those, those people I love. And those relationships are healthy and strong and, and productive. Um, when we're steadfast, we, we learn and focused on the Savior, we learn to follow his living oracles, his prophets and apostles. There are so many examples of invitations, of principles taught and testimonies given and invitations made with a blessing attached. I want to invite you to search the, these conferences, these general conferences. Just start with where we're at right now. What was, the, what was a principle that was taught, a testimony expressed, and, and an invitation made to you with a blessing attached? And in fact, in the scriptures, you see that often. Invitations with a blessing, right? So uh, when, we, when we see those invitations with a blessing, I try to recognize those and, and act on them as soon as I can. And, and I find that there are great blessings attached. About your age, I'm trying to think back to when, and I tried to think back to when uh, I was sitting in your shoes uh, making big decisions about life. I came back from a mission, and I, I served a mission in Spain. And, and that was in, oh, I don't even want to say when that was. That was so long ago. And, uh, and so uh, I was reading on my mission, General Conference Address, by President Faust. You remember President Faust? You guys are old enough to remember President Faust. President Faust, um, who was in the first presidency, now you're shaking your head. You don't remember President Faust? James E. Faust. He was in the first presidency. Brother Diebel and I remember. Rob and I, he, you know what's funny about this? He, I used to, this guy was the coolest guy on the block. He was in my ward, Rob, and, and he had this he had this really, yeah, it was true that he was the coolest guy. Yeah. And he had this, this really cool old, well, it wasn't that old, I don't know, this Honda that just people, you, you could pack 20 people in it. And he'd pull in, and we were, he was two years older than me. He still is two years older than me, by the way. And, uh, and he'd pull in, and we'd just jump in. Everybody that, was, that wanted to be cool jumped in that car. And uh, Rob was so, so good to, to spend time with us, and, uh, and it's a blessing that he's here. Um, so, so with, uh, man, I've lost track. What was I talking about? James E. Faust. James e. Faust. <laughs> so James E. Faust. So I'm reading this, this, this conference address from him and James E. Faust says, and, and he says, and, and let me read this to you. I, I had to go back and find it. 1991. I, I did date it. 
That's, that's a low blow. He said, over a lifetime of observation, it is clear to me, and by the way, he was pretty old at that point. I mean, he was much older than me. So he was like, I don't know, he must have been in his 80s at that point, right? He said, over a lifetime of observation, it is clear to me that the farmer who observes the Sabbath, Sabbath day seems to get more done on his farm than he or than he would if he worked seven days. The mechanic will be able to turn out more and better products in six days than in seven. The doctor, the lawyer, the dentist, the scientist will accomplish more by trying to rest on the Sabbath day than if he tries to utilize, utilize every day of the week for his professional work. And, and here's, the, here's the, so he's teaching a principle. This is at, it, about three quarters of the way through this talk. And this stood out to me just with great clarity as a, as a missionary. I'm not, a mission, I'm not even... I'm not even thinking about a farm or, a, or being a doctor or a lawyer at that time. I'm just thinking about doing missionary work. And, and, this is what, and this struck me. He said, I would counsel all students, if they can, to arrange their schedules so that they do not study on the Sabbath. If students and other seekers after truth will do this, their minds will be quickened and the infinite spirit will lead them to the verities they wish to learn. This is because God has hallowed this day and blessed it as a perpetual covenant of faithfulness. That hit me so powerfully. And many other invitations like that have hit me since. And, and it changed me. I thought, and as I came back from my mission, I actually came back here. And, uh, and I was right here in this institute, this same building, which, by the way, is, was pretty new when I, when I came back from my mission. And, uh, and I was... Um, I, I, I so much wanted to change my academic career. I was a terrible student in high school. Rob didn't know that, but I knew I was a terrible student in high school. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I sort of rolled into Boise State because it was easy to get into. Um, and uh, I went to a semester of school before heading off on my mission, uh, just you know, average grades. I came back with a desire to do something more to be better, to work at my work and live a, a purposeful life, as Moses was taught, to live a life of purpose. And as I came back, I recognized this promise. And I, I felt more to this promise. The Spirit testified to me that if I would, if I would obey, uh, keep the Sabbath day holy in a special way, that I would be helped as a student in ways I'd never been helped. And I want to testify to you that that came true in my life as I was, as I was faithful to that. I, I even had to, some days, in fact, and I got married about a year after getting home from, from, from the mission. And, uh, and we had a, a, a child about a year later. And, and some days, some, some uh, weekends were so tough to sort of manage everything that was going on that I had to get up at like two or three in the morning to get my studies done. And I went from mediocre to below average student to I, I graduated at the top of my class here. I, I, everything changed. And it wasn't because I was great and, and incredibly intellectual and intelligent. It was because the Lord had made a promise through his servant and I had heard that and I had responded to it in faith. And that changed everything for me. 
I, that, of course, set the groundwork to then um, go on and, uh, and, and, and have a, a great career, a short career before going on to get a master's degree at, at Harvard and, and do some interesting things. But I, I likewise invite you to put this test, put this, put this promise to the test, I mean, and, and rely on the Lord because he makes good on his promises and he makes good on the promises of his servants. How many other promises have been made of late? I invite you to search General Conference. Think about the invitations that are, that are laced throughout the text of those, those talks. There are invitations practically everywhere with promises attached. What is it you want in your life? It is like a smorgasbord of blessings and opportunities, really, literally. They're right there for us to take and hold on to and go and do amazing things. If we live a purposeful life, if we find those opportunities to improve ourselves, we will be blessed. We will be helped. We can exercise faith as President Nelson taught. What are some of the principles that President Nelson's been teaching? Personal revelation, letting God prevail, repentance, temple and family history work, learning of and developing faith in Jesus Christ, personal health, service to others, the list goes on and on and on. And he is so good about inviting us to do something. Do you remember when he invited us to do what he had done and look up all the scriptures on, on, on the Savior and learn of them? And how, um, how many of you did that? Because uh, you know what? I didn't do it. That was an opportunity I did not take. And I should have. What a, what a wonderful thing. But we then heard from apostles and prophets and, and general authorities who said, hey, here are the experiences I had as I followed this invitation from a living prophet. And, and I put the Lord's promises to the test and I received an increased testimony of the Savior. Those, those blessings are for us to, uh, us to grab hold of, if we're willing. And this is the way the Lord works. He lays it out there. He teaches us. And if we're willing, we can step in. We can, we can grab hold of it. We can take advantage of those opportunities. But it requires some work on our part. It requires some commitment. It requires that we move past just the motivation and the excitement of the moment and stay committed to saying, hey, I'm going to go do this and do it. Stick with it. Make a commitment and receive those blessings. Immovable. Um, I'm actually going to share a story. Maybe, Rob, you've heard this story, but it's, uh, it's an old Ellsworth family story. So um, my dad grew up all over the world. Uh, my grandpa was drilled wells, mostly, mostly water, um, but, but also oil wells. And they lived in Thailand for a little while. And I think they were, uh, there was a little bit of oil that they were doing there, but mostly water, getting water to different communities. And and so my dad grew up in, in Thailand. My, and my grandpa was, my, I, I can best describe my grandpa as, a, as, a, as, as an Indiana Jones type character. Um, and uh, and he, was, he was an interesting guy. Wonderful man who, who, um, who tried to live the, the principles of the gospel throughout his life. And he had his family there with him in Thailand. And they would go on these great excursions uh, from time to time out into the jungle. Well, they're driving on this back road, and this is my dad telling me this story. He said, Grandpa hit a bump, 
and he stopped the car as quickly as he could and he jumped out and they were all like what in the world is wrong with grandpa and so they're all little kids and they climb up in the back of this old car and look through the back window and grandpa has hold of something and he's pulling it out of the bushes now you know this story you don't know this story maybe so he's pulling this thing out of the bushes well as he pulls it it's a snake and grandpa loved to, to collect like you know skins and you know this is this is a day i i don't i don't endorse the this this kind of you know <laughs> trophy hunting but he, he, you know he felt like he'd he damaged this snake he needed to get take it in and then he's just gonna you know make a little trophy out of it well so this big old snake he's pulling it out of the bush and what, what do they have in it's boa constrictors right big old boas in 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 asia and he's thinking he's got this great boa and uh, but it's not huge it's maybe he can tell it's maybe 16 feet so pretty pretty big but not you know boas will be in the 20s and uh, and massive uh, as he pulled this out something happened that shocked everybody him and the and everybody in the car and they they exhaled the boa raised its head like this which means it was not a boa constrictor it was a king cobra right so he had pulled this king cobra out by the tail and and so he's he's here in this this all in the middle of the jungle and and, and there were people around because you know people are always walking between villages and whatever but they weren't like close so he's pulling this 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 king cobra he's got it by the tail it's hurt so it can't like just swing around as fast but it's raising its head and he's like ah oh, i'm i'm toast so the only thing he could think of and this is you know later clarification as he said all I, all I could think of is if i pulled the tail his head would go down and uh, and so that's what he did he pulled the tail his head head went down and uh, and he kept he kept right on going down the road pulling the tail the head would come up he'd pull the tail but this thing's pretty heavy it's pretty heavy it's like 16 feet long it's pretty heavy there's a little bit of friction it's uh you know physics were not working in his favor and so he was getting tired pretty pretty worn out well grandpa had been on a trip he had a destination they had a place they were going they were on the right road they were on the right path and he got distracted and that distraction turned into something much more difficult to extract himself from and and he was he was stuck it was life and death for him how many of us get distracted i tell you what i pick up my phone i'm trying to do good things and i find i'm often like why in the world am i looking at this i know i was trying to do something but i got distracted our lives are so full of distraction and we can easily find ourselves in in dangerous circumstances that distraction could be benign and and could be even good things uh, or it could be things that are that 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 are require the help of priesthood authorities to repent one way or another distraction gets in our way and it's one of it's one of the adversary's greatest tools i mean when when he stood in front of moses he didn't just stand in front of him trying to get him to recognize his glory he had storms going overhead earthquake all sorts of distraction to distract moses from seeing and discerning what was really going on for us the opportunity is to see through the distraction to leave those things aside whatever those distractions are 
be purposeful in our planning and our efforts to be immovable, right? And, uh, and to proceed in a way that gets us to where we intend to go. Grandpa was off the path. He, he ended up like in the bushes with, this, with this, this king cobra. Eventually, he got some help. They were able to, yeah, it was sad, but they killed the king cobra and, uh, and that, that skin still circulates amongst the family. It's getting pretty old. But the lesson remains. The skin may have deteriorated, but the lesson remains in that distraction is dangerous. Distraction is a tool of the adversary, and we need to remain focused on, on our purposes and, our, and, and the Lord's purposes for us. Um, what are some things that we should focus on? And, I, and I've noted, I have until a quarter till, is that right? It's important to stay focused on our priorities. What are our priorities? Let's set our priorities. And for me, that's been important from, from the very beginning. And I couldn't get through some of the things that I've, I've gotten through. And, and some of these are, you know, some of the th things I've faced are, are super challenging in, in work, at home, and in, in, the, in the workplace, uh, or in, out in, you know, in the community. Uh, life, is, life is challenging. And, uh, and, and we need to, and there are many, many distractions. It's not just things on our phone. It's not just social media. It's, uh, there, there are lots and lots of distractions, things that take us away from our path. If we stay focused on our priorities and set those priorities, putting the Lord first, focusing on Him, we, we, can, we can then lay out those priorities beyond Him. Our, you know, if we're, if we're married or, or um, our, our spouse or otherwise our family, our, um, our church responsibilities, our work responsibilities, let's lay out that, that priority list. When I was at Harvard, all the kids there, uh, the kids, we were all kids. All the kids there, they worked, they worked on their, they worked until very late at night. And I was there, I was one of like two or three uh, in the entire class of 600 that had kids. I had two kids with me and it was unusual, right? Not only did I have two kids, I had a third one on the way. They, that, that, that was re really strange. It was hard, hard for people to understand that. They would stay up late working on their stuff, working on everything that they had. And, and I had a family that was more important to me than the work I was doing. And so I said, I am going to, I'm going to treat this like a job. When six o'clock rolls around, I'm done. And I'm focused on my family. I'm going to get up early in the morning. I'll work on it. I'll, get it, I'll, I'll, I'll put in all the time. But when six o'clock rolls around, I'm focused on my family. And that made all the difference. It made all the difference. Other, there were other families that, that, that actually had great stress and things sort of fell apart because the focus turned from their family to, to schooling, turned to other things. And, and ultimately after that, um, many of these students went on to, to focus entirely on their careers and, and their families suffered, their personal lives suffered, the things that are really important in life suffered. In fact, Kim Clark, Kim Clark was the dean at that time, member of the church. Uh, he became a general authority. I think he may still be a general authority. Kim, Kim Clark uh, made it very clear. He taught, he taught about, he taught all of the students at that time uh, about priorities, about focusing on our families, putting things, putting the right things first in our lives. That applies regardless of, of our faith, 
we need to prioritize. But even more for members of the church, as we put the Savior first, everything else is much clearer. We can put those priorities in their proper place and, and conduct our lives accordingly. Um, one thing to remember in that process, and that's been a great guide for me, is my patriarchal blessing. I don't look at it every day. In fact, I probably there are months that I don't look at it. But I, much of it is committed to memory, and I go back to it and, and revisit sort of where am I and where do I stand versus this roadmap that was laid out for me. Very important. I, there was a talk I, long ago, maybe, maybe not that long ago, maybe not so long ago that you guys wouldn't remember it, where a, a, a general authority stood and he said, he was from Brazil, he said he was a bishop and things were going great, he had a good job, and then a friend of his said, uh, said to him, if you continue with what you're doing, will the blessings promised you in your patriarchal, bless, in your patriarchal blessing be realized? And that, that question struck me, because then, you know what he did? He's, he actually went back to his patriarchal blessing, and, and it was like, hey, um, additional education and work, work, working abroad, and he was like, he was not on that path. So he left his job and started a, um, a, a, a master's degree program and went on to get additional education that then led him to where he was at that point, which which was an entirely different path. He was on a good path. It wasn't bad. Things were great for him, but it wasn't, his, it wasn't the purpose and plan for him. The Lord had decreed something else for him. And when we let him prevail in our lives, great things happen. Whatever that is, we each have a special, unique path available to us and, and laid out for us that is to be developed and unfolded together with, with our Heavenly Father. Lastly, he's in, in this scripture from King Benjamin, um, he says we should abound in good works. We should love, we need to love God and love others. Once we know who we are, it's a lot easier to appreciate others for who they are. Once we understand our purpose, it's a lot easier to manage and you know what we're talking about? It sounds like we're just talking, this could be a, a, a talk in sacrament meeting, but this is, this is business, right? This is actually the way business unfolds. If you want to be a successful in business, get to know how to work with people because businesses are nothing but people. It's just people. And when you learn to love them and appreciate them and, and treat them right and teach and lift and lead the way the Savior has taught, that works. These are principles that are eternal. They're not just church principles. These are eternal principles. And this is the way, this is the way things get done. When we treat others with love and respect and, and genuine appreciation, they feel it. And they want to work harder. They want to participate. They want to support you. You can lead um, while you're working for somebody, you can lead while others are working for you. You can lead in this way from whatever position you sit and make a big difference. The prophet Joseph Smith said, a man filled with the love of God is not content with blessing his family alone, but ranges through the whole world, anxious to bless the whole human race. So a man or a woman who feels that love of God inside we want to go and change the world. We want to bless all of our Heavenly Father's children. And there are so many ways to do it. 
President Hinckley invited us to get as much education as we can. Um, we've, we've heard the same from President Nelson. Um, he, has, he has just laid, laid a, a wonderful path for each of us to expand our, our intellectual capabilities, our skills, our abilities uh, through education, through, through our work, through our efforts at, at, at home and in the community. There is so much that, that we each have been blessed with. Everybody has unique skills and capabilities that they can bring to the table. Our Heavenly Father will help us. If you go to Him, ask Him for help in understanding what those are, what are your strengths, He'll help. The other thing that stands out to me is, is these gifts of the Spirit that we're taught of. Have you ever looked at those, like I use that word smorgasbord. I've never actually looked it up. Maybe it's incorrect, but, uh, but it's like the buffet. Really and truly, there is a buffet of blessings available to us, and, uh, and, and the price has been paid. The price has been paid to make those available. But there's work. We've got to go, and we've got to, we've got to show up. We've got to do our part to get there. And, and yet, the blessings that we seek are available to us. We seek spiritual blessings. We seek gifts, we seek, um, gifts of the Spirit. They, we've been taught that this is one of those invitations that we should, we should learn about them figure out what it is we want and desire in our lives, and go to our Heavenly Father looking for help in, in receiving that gift in our lives. And they're available to us. Those gifts of the Spirit will, will enhance you in terms of what you have today. You may recognize the gifts that you have and have been given. You may recognize others that you wish to have and seek after those. We're invited to seek after those gifts. Moroni taught us that, right? Um, we, we're taught that by Paul. We're taught that throughout the scriptures. Seek after the best gifts, and, uh, and those will enhance our lives. Um, finally, I want to I say that look, we're, we live in a unique time. I'm privileged to live in your time. This is a time of, of great technology, tremendous resources and wealth, and ability to practically do anything you wish to do. More than at any point in our history, we, you, all of us have the opportunity to write our story. Now you can write a story that is independent and um, and and strikes a path that uh, that that just you uniquely are thinking works for you. Or together with the Lord, you can do that, and and He will help you as He's helped me, and I'm continuing to write my story. Write a story of power and purpose. Write a story that recognizes your divine potential. Because indeed, isn't that his purpose? That we achieve eternal life? And what, what is eternal life but realizing our divine potential? Because he wants us to be like him. And you know what? In some respect, little by little on this earth, we can become like him. We can become creators. We can become fatherly and loving and kind and compassionate. We can become intelligent and deep and, and thoughtful. All these things that don't describe me, the things that I want to achieve in my life. These are, these are those eternal qualities. These are those gifts that we can, we can achieve. And then as the scripture goes on to say, I'll close with this. Benjamin, King Benjamin said, may we each be steadfast and movable and abound in, in, in good works that Christ, the Lord God omnipotent may seal us his 
that we may be brought to heaven, that we may have everlasting salvation and eternal life through the wisdom and power and justice and mercy of him who created all things in heaven and in earth, who is God above all. There is nothing boring about this gospel. It is deep, it is vibrant, it is real, and it is relevant. And I testify of, of him and his, and his eternal truths in his sacred name, Jesus Christ, amen.